All right, how's it going, Ben? It's going okay, you know, just not watching that many new movies and watching some old movies and just kind of skating by on the summer weather. I don't know what else to do, really. Just coasting. How about you? Uh, I think we're entering week three. I haven't watched a single movie. Wow, is this the first time ever? No, I mean, probably not. (laughs) I've watched a few. I've watched a couple. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, do you count documentaries? I've been watching Fear City, New York versus the Mob. I watched that, too. That was interesting. I'm on the, like, second episode of it. I wish it was longer. I wish it was, like, a ten-part series instead of three episodes. Oh, it's only three episodes? Only three, yeah. Oh, I gotta savor it, then. It's cool. They're essentially just talking about the peak of the mob and then it being dismantled in the late seventies and early eighties because of the Rico cases. And right. I'm a big fan of the mafia for multiple reasons. And cause I mean, I knew like, well, and like, like the idea or the actual mafia. I mean, all, all of it. Yeah. You like the extortion and the murder and the, and the, it's all about power and control. (laughs) They're essentially the government without, the legal right to do stuff or the illegal right to do stuff. Right. No, I was saying, I, I was going to say that like, uh, that's kind of when it went from like the Italians and the Irish to more like the, like that's when the Russians really started taking over, like running a lot of guns and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I know there's more, um, Asian mafia related things that start happening after, after this documentary, um, historically, that's kind of when the mob transitioned from the mafia that we all know of, you know, with the hats and the machine guns and everything to way more. It went way more underground and kind of diversified to a lot of different like ethnicities and stuff. And then, you know, obviously everybody has seen the Sopranos, you know, and it's, you know, uh, Tony Soprano's not running the whole east coast you know it's a it's much more of an underground like small scale kind of thing well yeah you he's know a new I jersey think. mob right he's right. not in new york he, he, he they're in new jersey and you know the mob is still it's still round it's just manifesting as something different because they couldn't just keep doing what they were doing so now it's way more political and corporate and it's intertwined within the fabric of society much better they find more legal ways of doing things they're not going up to a shop and going you're going to give me 30% of your money, otherwise we won't protect you, or we'll kill you, or whatever. Um, But the mob, or mob-like organizations, have existed for a long time, and they exist everywhere. They're all over South America, they're all over Japan and, and, and Europe, and the Italian mob to this day in Italy is still strong and very ruthless. La Casa Nostra. Yeah, like uh, Michael Fanzizi, or however you pronounce his last name, uh, you know, won't even go to Italy because he's like, I'll probably just get whacked if I go to Italy because of him, like, disowning the mob and becoming a Christian and stuff, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of really cool, like, two-hour-long interviews of him that oh, yeah. are on YouTube. Highly recommend. I've seen them both. On Vlad TV. Yeah. They're really wild. I would love to hear him on a more open podcast, like a, even like a Joe Rogan Experience podcast. It'd be very interesting to hear him kind of open up more because, yeah. That guy was in the thick. He was the real deal. I'm aggravated with Joe Rogan. <laughs> okay, why? <laughs> I just, you know, well, you know, you know, he's moving to Texas now, right? Yeah. 
because there's more freedom there. Yeah. For those of you listening, I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. I just, I don't, it goes, how do I, how do I phrase this? I feel like for a guy that seems pretty intelligent, he's uh, lately the last couple of months just kind of been acting a fool for better, less of a better phrase. Okay. Um, Why do you feel that way? Just, I mean, like, you know, once again, uh, to use myself as an example, uh, obviously, you know, I understand the science behind everything that's going on right now. And, you know, it's like, at the end of the day, nobody knows what's going on. Even people that have been studying this for years and years and years, because it's an evolving situation. And Joe Rogan's just gotten into the kind of how do how do i phrase this the side of it that's like oh well you know california oh there's so many people here and you know they're shutting things down and i'm going to go to texas because you know they're you know there's more freedoms that you know like it's all the stuff with the I, not so much the masks but just the general like vibe and it's like to go from california to texas is like that's a pretty you know like stark difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In the way a state is run think you know, weed's not legal. I mean, you'll fucking, you'll go to prison in Texas. If you get busted with a couple grams of weed, I don't think, you know what to, I mean? I don't think you'll go to prison, but you might well, get, you'll you, probably you get, get fined. You'll probably get, get fined. You yeah. Get yeah. I mean, I just find, I find it interesting. And, and the, and the reason that I say I'm frustrated with them is that, you know, I've been watching a show on and off for years and years and years. And I just some he could be using his platform in the way that most people would assume he would use his platform for. But instead, he's been kind of all over the place with the kind of wishy washy. Mm. Well, personally, I don't really care what anybody else does. It's, it's, no, I know. <laughs> it's their life. But um, I, I get it. I've heard a lot of people who have lived in Los Angeles, my, my roommate, Brian, who lives here now, um, who moved there and came back say like, if that's not your vibe, which it's not because people like him, Joe Rogan are not in movies. They're not in television. They don't need to be in Los Angeles. And with, with the money and fame that someone like him has, they could be anywhere. It doesn't really matter where they are. And if you're worried about the 20 million people in L.A. County, which I would be, too, that's insane. And it's also a lot of tourists, a lot of people coming in. Um, I wouldn't want to live there either. I, I don't ever want to live in Los Angeles County. It's too overcrowded. It's way worse than Cook County. And there's way more people. And, yeah, I mean, the whole freedom thing is weird because, I mean, anywhere in America, you're going to be pretty free compared to the rest of the world. But as far as getting away from heavily populated areas that are more, um, just the traffic's bad. It's more dangerous because of all that. I understand that. I, it's the reason why I don't live in Chicago. No, I, I, live in I suburbs, mean, like you know. I said, I get it. But it's like when you live in LA and you're Joe Rogan, you can have anybody on your show. Now it's like, oh, now I'm in Texas. It's like, a, where's the comedy clubs? B, yeah. you know, it's going to be a lot harder to just have any person at your disposal come on your show. What's I mean, is Joey Diaz going to move there too? I. I don't know, but I, I just know that at the level of um, production and fame that they're at, I don't think that's a problem. Anybody would travel sure. to there, and they would fl- they'd probably pay to fly people out and drive people out, to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's you know what I mean when you're at multi multi million dollar deals and the Spotify thing, it's like you could do whatever you want, honestly. So yeah, I I get it. if you were a small scale, I'd be like, oh, you want to stay in Chicago, New York, LA, if you're trying to do a production thing, but at that level, it's like why Hollywood moved so much stuff to like Atlanta, Georgia. It's 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 cheaper. It's a different scenery, and they just made their own little thing there. And to be honest, I think, I think we'll move on to another subject. But I think he's famous enough, wealthy enough, and knows enough people that there. I've heard that like so many people are just gonna move to like Austin, Texas, like with him. Like a lot of people are gonna move that way. They're gonna start their own comedy scene there because of the, Austin, Texas is still a very creative and left leaning part of the country. It's very south by southwest. Austin city limits, you know. So and it's still like similar weather as far as heat and and I don't know, but anyway, Tenant, you've been reading about Tenant. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> you know, I Christopher Nolan was very dead set on releasing this freaking movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, Warner Brothers, you know, saw the light. Because now we're at a we're at a stage where it wouldn't have worked if they would have tried to keep the release date. Nope. Because of what's going on in the last week or two. Bottom line, my final thoughts on that, and I will turn it over to you, is the fact that the United States has become the laughing stock of the world because people don't want to wear their fucking masks. Um and this movie is going to debut internationally, but not here. Or if it does here, only in certain places here, more more or less places where they don't care about COVID. More remote places. Me as a film fan, it just, as a film fan, it, it hurts because, you know, it's that, it's that uh, fear of missing out, you know, on something everybody else gets to see that you don't. But as an American, it pisses me off because we're supposed to be the greatest country, but yet we're the laughing stock of the world right now. Your thoughts? I agree. We are definitely the laughing stock because America, there's two, there's two major problems. We're 50 micro countries in one macro country, which is a problem. And we've been treated as such the last five months of every governor for themselves and the president just doing the most idiotic things for the last five months, really doing nothing. Um, who knows what he's doing? And uh, the governor's just all fending for themselves and all deciding. It, I mean, the problem with the biggest problem with coronavirus is there has been stuff on a federal level, state level, county level, city level, and then like personal business and personal private property level. Like it, it, it's so scattered and there's so many de the divisive thoughts about it that it's a complete mess. And you have the fact that certain states are so much worse than others. Like Illinois was doing so well and we were getting it down. We got our cases down to like 400 a day and it's still not as bad as it was, but it definitely went up to like 1500 and it was really bad, you know, in April and May and we were doing so well. And I wish, I wish every state, looked at the states that were doing it well, especially states with major cities like Chicago. And we're like, okay, well, let's, we should all just kind of work together and do this. And so, so it doesn't mess up everything because United States were allowed to travel freely between state and state, especially with a car. We could spread stuff so easily because of that. And we needed to keep it down and we didn't. And I agree with Tanya. I've been looking forward to this movie for a year 
like obsessively looking forward to this movie for a year, reading up everything about it. And I know everything about it but the plot, you know, and uh, with a lot of movies. And I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. I'm a big fan of what is going to happen with this movie and the technology used. And it's one of the first movies, like, all shot in IMAX, like, literally the whole thing in 70 millimeter or 65 millimeter. Uh, the cinematographer, Hoyt Van Hoyty or Hoytman, um, phenomenal cinematographer. And uh, I was just looking forward to it so much. Same thing with, like, um, um, Quiet Place Part 2, um, Dune. Um, yeah, what's going on with those? I don't know. They're being pushed more. But, like, there are some uh, James Bond. Like, these are movies I was very look, very much looking forward to. The question now is, is when are they just going to pull the plug on the Oscars for this year? Probably if we because can't hit Oscar season, I guarantee by October they'll pull it. So my so once again, I the word the word is nuanced. I have learned that many things are very you know there is no black and white. Things are very nuanced situations, and the way I look at it is, you know, once again, what's everybody's goal in life? To be able to make enough money to support themselves and buy a house and have a car and possibly raise a family if they choose to do so and go on vacation. What's every film's goal in the life of the film? To, you know, is it is it to make a lot of money at the box office and do well with critics? Yeah, duh. That's it's the same. Everybody's got that same goal. But then at the same time, you know, a lot of times films have a goal of being nominated for some sort of an award. So if it's an, if it's a technical type thing, if it's uh, if it's an acting or a writing or a directing type situation or all of the above or whatever, whatever it is, divide it up. However you, however you choose. So the incentive for films to be released a lot of the times is to do well with critics, i.e. that'll, that'll help your box office dividend returns, yada, yada, yada. And then at the same time, hopefully we'll become an awards contender for some sort of, you know, technical or acting type situation. So for the Academy to come out and say, listen, we're putting the kibosh on it. All the movies that came out here that came out this year and that are continuing to come out this year on VOD or whatever it is. You know, the following year, we will hold some sort of a combination thing, whatever it is, however they want to do it. But to incentivize, I think that's the right word, uh, continuing to release movies this year that are that are especially for movies in the theater um, is only going to hurt the COVID-19 cause. So I think for a very liberal organization like the Academy to come out and say, hey, we're not going to incentivize you guys releasing movies in the theater. We're pulling the plug on the Oscars, I think, in term would have the studios go, you know what? Let's wait till there's a vaccine, 2021. Maybe things will be on the horizon. We can start putting movies out then. What do you think? I mean, in theory, I agree that Hollywood, as much as it hurts, as much as I'm a, a big movie advocate and, and very much into them, for the better good so we can have a future and we can res- you know resume normalcy, I think that they should postpone. There's enough money in Hollywood. They could postpone until spring and fall and summer of next year, you know. It it hurts. It sucks. But unless something's done already and they're finished with post-production and they could, do a, they could release it on Netflix or HBO or a video on demand, 
that like that's fine and mo- people have been doing that and obviously most movies coming out in the summer and fall are are already done that we that's the nature of movies they finish them already they're probably doing small tweaks here and there and that's stuff they could probably do safely but the thing with the video on demand is they just you will make a 20th of your money you won't you will not make 800 million dollars or a billion especially right. a movie with tenant that's shot in IMAX and it's 250 million dollar budget or and then you know 350 with promotion stuff i mean they want to make at least 700 800 on that at least if not more it's pg13 i think it could break a billion especially being oh, a blockbuster oh it definitely tenet would definitely break a billion i for think it, i think reason. it could because the first wave would like myself would see it love it and i'd come back and preach it to everybody now then they'd all go see it it happens Every time I see a movie, well, yeah, it and it's a Nolan movie, so there's the rewatchability factor. Yeah, um, it'll probably be a little hard to understand, in, you know. When I saw Inception, it ended, and I'm like, "Am I an idiot?" Because some of this just didn't make sense, so I had to go see it again. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, same thing. I mean, that's how I felt with Interstellar because it made a little bit more sense, but it had the whole f- uh, fourth and fifth dimension stuff going on. You're kind of like trying to make sense of that, but right, I um. I think they should finish whatever it is that they have had working on, and if it can be put on demand, then do it. If not, save it for next spring or next summer. Because guess what? Everything that was going to be slated for next spring and next summer is going to be pushed anyway because they're in middle of production and they can't do anything, so they're now being postponed. If you're coming out next spring and summer, you're in the middle or towards the end of your production as we speak right now. And... Anything that's in pre-production, they came and start that would be coming out next fall and next winter. So that's pushed. Everything is shifted, I'd say, at least six months to a year. Everything. So they should just shift everything and maybe push Tenet to a Christmas release because that is more likely, more possible to have. Of this year or next year? Of this year. Like, it's more possible and shift all that stuff. But I'd say they should save it for summer next year. I got. I just got a feeling there's going to be such a spike in numbers this winter that it'll just shut. I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I like. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not cynical. I just, I just think, I just think it's a bad move. I mean, I don't the, just for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? I don't know how we're ever gonna get rid because of because, for example, let's say let's say they can do a Christmas release at half capacity. Once again, I mean, and you've made this point before. Well, if that's the only movie playing and they've got it in all the theaters, right? But you and I both know if the theaters are opening back up, every studio is going to want a, a film of theirs in the theater. So at the end of the day, I mean, even if Warner Brothers is going, well, we could only make 60% of what we nor- what we would have made had COVID not been going on, I still think they're just going to hold off. You know yeah. what I mean? But I, I don't know. It's I, a, I'm not them. It's you know, a lot to hold off on. I don't envy, on. for the first time in my life, I don't envy the Kevin Feige's of the world. And you know what I mean? <laughs> the the Warner Brothers and the and the Sonys and, and all that stuff. They'll figure it out. They'll uh, What they'll do is they'll follow, they'll, they'll film in locations that have better... So they're doing with Batman. The rest of the pr- principal photography is on sets. Yeah. Instead of on location. 
And when I first read that, I was like, oh, God, not like the Joel Schumacher sets. And then I'm like, wait a second. Now, timeout. Sets are better now. We can get away with sets. Infinity War and Endgame were shot on sets. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. No, sets sets are way better now. I mean, Eyes Wide Shut, which was filmed, you know, 23, 22 years ago, all of that was sets because Kubrick wanted to film in, in London, and he was obsessed with, like, getting the Greenwich Village neighborhood scenes of Tom Cruise walking around right that's not New York. It looks you. I've walked those areas. It feels like you're there. It's a set. It's all in a studio. It's insane. So you can do it. And that was a long time ago. You can do it. You gotta just. You gotta be willing. To no, no. But as a Batman fan, your mind automatically hops to, you know, like yeah, yeah. that scene in Batman Batman Forever and Batman Robin yeah. when he comes in on the zip line to Nicole Kidman, and I'm mm. like, oh. Well, you know, like clearly, Batman '89 and Batman Forever or Batman Returns were all sets i mean it was well, all, yeah it was all sets in london you know like there was not one thing filmed outside you know did we did we have that talk i rewatched them all no all four ba- batman 80 all right so this is my 2020 version with with a set of eyes okay it's the first time i've seen batman 89 like start to finish in fairly long time okay not not a fan not a fan batman returns one of the greatest superhero films ever made okay and why didn't you like uh, batman 89 because that's like my favorite like my favorite batman movie no ever. no i know and I've, I've actually had this conversation with another buddy of mine um it just after all everything that we have gotten you know now yeah it's like i watch nicholson as joker and it's just so campy it's like and it's fine i understand that's a different take on the joker it's still better than jared leto but um, the reason that I don't like the movie is, honestly, a lot of it boils down to between Kim Basinger and I just I don't like her character at all. She is not needed at all. And I just thought the movie never really like went for it, whereas Batman Returns, it's like Burton just goes for it. I think you he know? was able to go for it, though, because of the success. Because of 89. Yeah. yeah. And the studio yeah. gave him, I'm sure he was able to get more money. I mean, the cast, I mean, Christopher Walken, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Keaton, like... And the, Michelle Pfeiffer is so good as yeah. Selena Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I'm going to look up, I want to look up the budget and the gross... Of Batman um, I think Batman Returns had like an 80 million budget. So Maybe Rotten 70. Tomatoes is 71 on Batman 89. And it was a $35 million movie made 411. So yeah, that's a that's a huge success for back then. I mean, that's six that's 11, 12 times it's it's uh What it's did budget. Returns do? And that's back when uh promotion was a lot cheaper back then. Uh Batman Oops. Yeah, I, I think it's really nostalgic for me. I know what you mean. Well, ha- no, it's for, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, um, it has the 80 percent Ron Tomatoes Batman Batman Forever, Batman Returns, Batman Returns. Sorry, and that one was a budget of 65 to 80, so we'll call it yeah. 75 million. And that one made so it almost double, and right. it made 282, so it made way less. Oh like, wow, that I didn't know. Yeah, but that once again, that all makes sense. That's why they brought Schumacher in to sell toys because that movie was so dark. Oh my god! I love how dark the movie. It should have been rated R, to be honest. They could it could be rated R now. And Danny Elfman's score for Batman Returns, like the Birth of the Penguin song. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh! 
I was moving. So my sister just graduated from Ball State. So had to drive out there yesterday to like pack her up and get a U-Haul and like move her back. And don't ask me how or why. I, I get I get on these tangents and I've just kind of been bored listening to the same music. So I've been listening to a lot of movie scores. So I made a playlist on Spotify of That's like amazing. 50, 50 favorite songs of mine, like movie scores. You know, and, and you got your Jurassic Parks and your Jaws and stuff riddled in there. I almost kind of want to make a separate playlist for that. But like a lot of Western themes, like Good, Bad, and the Ugly and stuff like that. But then I've, I've got a lot of Danny Elfman from like the Batman films and stuff. And it's great because I'm just, just driving out there yesterday and I'm like, man, the birth of the penguin is just such a it, – it just sucks you right into that world, you know? It's awesome. It's so iconic. The 89 and the Forever scores are so iconic. Like the Prince and 89 was so much fun. And the 89 one was like – it was like comic book, cartoon mixed with Tim Burton and the year 1989 – sensibility like it was a little right. bit of all of that and that's why it was the vibe it was and that's why jack nicholson is campy but he's still pretty creepy and wacky um it was very like noir very noir like very oh, yeah, 1940s sure. very 1940s and i know what you mean with the Kate, kim basinger um character vicky vale vicky vale i i wouldn't say she wasn't necessary i just would say maybe the writing wasn't as on point as it was well, with forever and return, just like katie holmes and batman begins not a fan no no it was much better with maggie gyllenhaal in batman or the dark knight rises i mean sorry the dark knight um right. but even like batman begins the dark knight and the dark knight rises all great batman movies and definitely the technical like technically the better ones as far as what they were able to do and what they did do and the the um the unique behind the look scenes of like the beginning of Batman where he came from. We never, no one really ever knew that unless you knew the comic books really well. And I didn't, but as far as switching out the character from Katie Holmes to Maggie Gyllenhaal, Keith had things you can't control sometimes like Heath Ledger passing away, all that messed up the trilogy to me personally, like the Joker, they had to end it with him hanging. He was supposed to be put into Arkham. They were supposed to have more scenes with him. He was supposed to be in the third movie as, like, a second villain. Not the main villain, but, like, a second villain. Um, and these things they just couldn't do because he, he passed away, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I really like them. I don't think they would have gone with Bane in Dark Knight Rises had that. Because originally they Possibly were looking not. at Steve Carell to do Riddler. That would have been so weird. That was that was the word on the street. That was so weird back then. He was the star of the office back context then. Context-wise, context-wise, because, you know, you've seen Foxcatcher, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, no shit. I mean, the guy's got mm-hmm. the guy's got the talents there to go. That was a movie that really showed up. it. That really showed it. Right, right, right. It. So, like, I, you know, obviously people knew, like, Corral had it in him. But, you know, this is 2008 when Dark Knight came out. So, like, that 08, 09, 10 era when that was kind of the rumor is that it's like, you know, and they had even mentioned like Leonardo DiCaprio possibly as the Riddler. And it's like, you look at it and it's like DiCaprio, I think he's too good looking to be Riddler. Like not, not literally, but like that personality, like he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. But Carell at the time he was just Michael Scott in the office. You know, that's what everybody knew him as. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that would have been, but then at the same time, it's like, I, you know, 
what I like about what they're doing with the new Batman thing is that, you know, it's Matt Reeves has kind of been like, you know, I'm interested in like five or six Batman movies, not just a trilogy. And it's like, you know, Nolan, obviously he had to move on to bigger and better things or other things, however you want to phrase that. Um, but to me to have gotten a fourth film, you know, where he kind of tosses the mantle to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's version of Robin. You know, maybe you did get the Riddler or something like, I don't know. I, I always think about it. It's my favorite trilogy because they had to make a fourth Indiana Jones. So because of that, Dark Knight is my favorite trilogy. Yeah, it's a good trilogy. It's a great one. I mean, I think the most cohesive and unified trilogy of all time is the Lord of the Rings trilogy because they made them all together they shot them back yeah so they're like perfectly they they didn't change any characters they didn't lose any characters it's like verbatim across the whole thing which is really nice but it's it's a different context obviously but i say as far as as far as like cohesive one long story that's why to me like lord of the rings like you know the reason indiana jones was my favorite trilogy is because they were three three individual stories that had an overarching kind of narrative yeah. whereas lord of the rings is like literally start to finish what about star wars which what do you think of the three trilogies out of those three movies it, the, the, i mean the, obviously if i had a gun to my head it'd be the original trilogy the original, but, right you know i wasn't born yesterday but um, listen the last one had so much potential and the last movie ruined because like okay the last shot okay force awakens was pretty fun it, it did extremely well I thought it was a decent setup. I honestly thought it was like, okay, this is a decent setup. I enjoyed the Similar movie. to Batman Begins, where it's like, maybe in five years I'll go back and appreciate Force Awakens even more because they were setting all this stuff up. Yeah, it was just done really well and, like, getting ready. And then The Last Jedi, you're like, okay, I'm throwing off, but the third one could bring these together. It, it really could. And, man, the third one did not do that at all, and it was so disappointing. I was looking forward to like that coming to fruition so much, and it just didn't. How about Mandalorian getting 15 Emmy nominations? Oh, I didn't see that. When did that happen? Oh, yeah, so the Emmy nominations came out. So whenever this gets released, what's today? Well, okay, it'll be a day or two of this will get released. Uh, the Emmy nominations came out this week. Mandalorian got 15 nominations. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. That's like unheard of. Which is great. And I mean, everything is set up for HBO to do very well this year between Watchmen and Succession and some other other shows. I still haven't watched Succession. The Outsider was good. Watchmen was good. Succession is great. I enjoyed all three of those like bigger shows that came out. I haven't seen the new Westworld. I still have to. I have. I want to rewatch all of it. I'm halfway through Don't it. Don't say anything. I year, haven't seen the second I won't, season no, I won't. either. The year gap between season two and three. I think did a lot of damage for me as like one of the people that what do you mean does want to stick with the show because it's so it's so confusing. I mean that I you know you got to watch that show sober at noon to like <laughs> un- understand everything that's going on. Sober at noon, I like that. Sober at noon. <laughs> I hope just, everybody's sober at noon. It's just not, but it's like, it's not like oh I've been working all day and then you get home and you're like all right I'm gonna unwind and watch Westworld because. It's just like, wait, wait, what? What? You know, because like season one, I've seen it twice just to help remember to piece everything together on like how everything goes down. And then season two was really confusing. That's why I got to season three. And like with everything that's been going on the last couple months, I'm like, you know, one day I'm just going to sit down and binge the rest of the season. But for right now, I'm just going to kind of hold back. And why did you <laughs> say the one year gap? 
did they take two years between so the, the first in, and second? in 19 there was no new season the it was 17 18 and then 20 oh so a two-year gap yeah okay. so like i have like another friend of mine she watched um really enjoyed season one right season two yeah okay and i'm and i just kind of kept saying like yeah but they're world building like they're gonna go somewhere with all this stuff you know they're showing you you've seen season two right i haven't seen it you've never seen the show i saw the first season okay okay yeah so like season two they're they're expanding right right, right, and then season three like i said i'm not gonna give anything away but it's like the way season two ends and it's like you just wait you're like wait it's to me, it's similar to like Game of Thrones. You got this such long gap, but the difference is, is Westworld is not nearly as popular as Game of Thrones is. Yeah. So where you kind of like ride that fan wave into that next season. Yeah. So it's like when season three started, I'm watching it and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this show's great. You know, it's a great show. It's just, it, it's not that water cooler vibe that you know, like Game of Thrones was. And I think a lot of people fell off because it is a confusing show and it only gets more confusing as the show goes on. Yeah. I miss Game of Thrones. I miss good Game of Thrones. God, that was so much fun. The first like six seasons was so much fun. And then the last, I, I, I personally enjoyed season seven a lot. It's fine. But season eight really hurt, especially with the gap. Oh, Okay, yeah, I loved season seven, season eight. If that's season eight was the final season, yeah. no, that's fine. Well. I gotta rewatch the whole thing again. Who knows when I'll do that? Um, you've seen nineteen seventeen, right? Yeah, it's on there. And you, th- I remember you saying it was okay, right? It was, well, it's better than okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, Roger Deakins, tip of the hat. Um, Sam Mendes, tip of the hat. Set design. The story. The, the story was fine. Story was fine. Got it. Got the story it. Story was fine. I feel you. I uh, I just bought it on 4K. I'm excited. I'm gonna watch it soon on a 4K player, and it's gonna be great. It looks. It's so hard to undo that after doing that a few times. It looks so good. Right. You can just taste right. the colors. You know, sober. It's just it. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, at the beginning of the show, I said three weeks with no movies. I did watch the other weekend. I tried to start like a couple of movies. I tried starting Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That's on like HBO. I got to literally the opening title credit and was like, you know, I'm just not in the mood to watch something new right now. Like my brain just wasn't there. And then I tried starting another movie. I don't remember which one. Check out. Have you seen Defy Bloods on Netflix? No, I haven't watched it yet. Check that out. I watched that uh, two, three weeks ago. I liked it a lot. Is there any I ended up. I ended up going. So I kind of have this, I have this game I play with myself for that seven ninety nine a month for Disney, and I'm like, I gotta watch at least two movies a month to make it worth me not canceling the subscription until they have a new show that comes out or whatever. So I was like, you know, I've only seen Rogue One one time, and I I really liked it. I enjoyed the film. It's definitely the best out of all the new ones. Maybe I'll watch that again. So I did, and that's a solid movie. Oh, it's yeah. a very especially the last half rogue one is the best star wars movie to come out since return of the jedi (laughs) yeah no absolutely that's that's i mean yeah i i honestly think that i when i saw in theaters i was like dang this was awesome i was really i was looking forward to the in-between movies the one-offs from that movie i was like dang we got force awakens and rogue one we're on like force awakens did really well and it was a pretty decent star wars movie and then 
Rogue One. I was like so excited. Then last shot, I was I liked it more now than I did when I saw it, but I still don't know how I feel about it. I need to watch it again. And then Solo, I was like, what the heck happened to Solo? That was a mess. But um. But anyways, I say that because I'm literally just scrolling through my brain on what I've been watching. Have you watched the TV show Dave on Hulu? I don't have Hulu. Why don't you do the? I know I could up the Disney. I know I could up the Disney. And you'll have ESPN. You'll have Palm Springs. I still haven't watched that. It's like twelve bucks, and you'll have all three. Uh, You'll have ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus. But watch the TV show Dave on Hulu. You will. It's a. It's a great show to watch. It's like thirty minute episodes. It's hilarious. It's about the it's about the uh, the singer and hip hop artist uh, Little Dicky. Um, have you ever heard of him? Uh, w- Want to know a wild story? Sure. So I'm down in Panama City, 2016, um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the damn place. It's the world's largest nightclub. It's it's fucking huge. Uh, why I can't think of the name of it right now. Look it up on Google. Panama City Beach, world's largest nightclub. It's there. Been there. Was there four nights in a row. Um, and it is. It's it's freaking huge. It's the Disney World of nightclubs. So, well, you know me. It's What's like, the call? Oh, I want to look Beatles. it up real quick. I'm going to go listen to the Beatles, right? So I'm there. You know, I'm just, you know, smoke, smoking weed and been drinking all day. We're in fucking Panama City, right? And went saw the alligators. You know, I'm there with some of my friends who were like less into the alligator thing and like the Florida vibe. Yeah. So like they're, they're day drinking or whatever. So we go to this, we Uber to this nightclub or taxi cab to this nightclub because like Uber still isn't like huge yet. Anyways, and they got all these posters all over the place. Like we got there on like a, we got there on a Saturday and stayed till we left Friday night into a Saturday and we stayed till like Wednesday or Thursday the following week and. I kept seeing these posters at this nightclub, Lavella, Lavella Club, Lavella. I think's the name of the, the nightclub. Yeah. Um, for this guy, Little Dicky, and I'm like, oh, Little Nicky, you know, like the yeah. Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. And I just kept like ripping on this guy, like making jokes and shit. And um, so like my one friend was like, oh no, this they got like they got a hit hit song out, a music video. I don't fucking, it's not my kind of music. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I listen to like dance music for nostalgic purposes. Like I'm blue, da, ba, dee, da, ba, da. Oh you know, God. like that's my kind you know, right. And like <laughs> rap music to me, rap music to me is like Dr. Dre and Eminem. And then I kind of, you know, fall off, you know, little Macklemore thrift shop. I don't, I don't know who this guy is. So long story short, it's like build up, build up, build up, build up, build up. We go to the concert. And I watched the guy for like 10 minutes because like we got the pass for the whole week at this nightclub. It was like, I don't know, $75 or whatever the fuck it was. My buddy paid for it. He's like, let's just get passes for the whole week. And he just buys them for like this whole, the, the whole, there's a four of us, just buys them for the group. And I'm like, whatever, you know. And um, my job was basically to try to stay somewhat sober so I could monitor all my friends so they didn't do anything stupid. That was my job. And so we're at this concert. You know, and I'm we're in the back. I, I don't want to be up near this, you know, stage. It's not, it's not my kind of crowd. And there's girls and said whatever. Ten minutes into this show, I'm like, listen, you guys stay here. I'm going to go to one of the other parts of the nightclub. Because, like I said, it's like Disney World. So I go down into, like, the country room. 
and there's like this cover band playing and there's maybe like 15 people in there because everybody's watching Little Dicky. So when you bring up Little Dicky, that's all I can think that's about. That's so funny. It's just this what this like ridiculous story. Watch the show. What's that? Watch the show about him called Dave. It's amazing. It's hilarious. Is that his real name? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. It's, it's loosely based on It's kind of reminds me of like Curb Your Enthusiasm, loosely based on um, Larry, da- Larry David. The yeah. show is loosely based on him, but it's just about like his rapping career and how he came to fruition. But it's like fictionalized, but it's so funny. And you know the comedian Andrew Santino? Uh, yeah, I know the name. He's got he's got red hair and a beard. Andrew Santino from Chicago. Um, yeah, he's nice. his manager in it, and it's hilarious. It's just it's such a funny show. Like it's on Hulu. It's ten episodes or eight episodes, thirty minutes each. It's so funny. Kind of reminds me of a uh, of Atlanta. It's got the same vibe because it's on FX. Still so haven't seen Atlanta. Watch both. They're both on Hulu, I believe. We watch both. They have an FX vibe. It, um, have you checked out the new High Fidelity on Hulu? No, the one with uh, Zoe same, Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, yeah, it's good. I like. I've seen the movie. If you well, I mean Springsteen's. It's so similar to the movie, but like it's great. but modern, you know. But it's a lot of the same concepts. They just flip. It. I stole the idea of like favorite track one side ones from that from that movie. I post about it all the time. But as a side note, I'm not, by the way, I'm not cheating on you or your studio, but, um, no, I've been, you're cheating on me. Well, yeah. Cause I've been, I've been doing some demos here at the house. Yeah. So that's kind of been taking up a lot of my time. I'm like currently like writing and like doing demos and stuff was messing around on the keyboard the other night, kind of getting some, getting some tracks down. Um, so like maybe I should also say like, that's probably one of the, uh, the big reasons I haven't been really watching a lot of movies is just because like mentally it's like, I'll just go on a walk for 45 minutes and kind of figure out where I want to go with this part of a song. And then I'll come back and work on that for four hours. That's good. I mean, that's a good reason. Yeah. What better reason to not be watching movies than to do something towards your hobby and life and career. So have you been doing anything musical? Yeah. I, we've been having band practice with the three bands and we, we took a week or two off because of uh, Trevor, our, my friend went, on a road trip to visit his family in Washington. He drove there. So, but cool. yeah, we're getting back into it and it's fun. We'll probably do some recording in September with all three bands in some way, shape or form, which is fun. And not many bands come in. I I'm working on three different records with bands right now, but it's spread out and only like, I only have like one, two video sessions set up for August. So not many, it's very slow, right. but we're going back to school August 18th. So, yeah, what's going on? Um, for those of you listening, uh, what's going on with uh, the school year? So for ISU, I mean, every school is different and universities are definitely different from K through 12. Um, very different rules and laws. But for now, we're going back for my department, for my classes. It's very specific. Um, I'm going back face to face. Um, but it's like split. We can only have half the capacity. So half the kids meet Tuesday, half Thursday, and then the other half's online. So it's kind of like a hybrid thing, but it's still considered face to face. Um, and we're gonna do that for now and see what happens if where everyone has to wear masks, we have to be, you know, social distance. So it's going to be weird, but it'll be somewhat halfway normal and we'll see what happens. You are one of many educators that I know, and you're the only one I know at the college level. And you know, I know it's obviously still very stressful and, you know, there's a lot of things at play for you teaching, but the upside is 
out of all the educators that I know, you're probably in the best situation because you're dealing with adults. Yeah. Whereas um, my uh, my one really good friend, his girlfriend, who I'm also friends with, really good friends with, she teaches first grade. Yeah. No, the, the kid <laughs> situation's know, a lot my, harder. My cousin teaches first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of my best friends, his wife, who's also a really good friend of mine, teaches fifth grade, you know? Yeah. So it's like my sister is a um, um, counselor is not the right word. And I'm blanking on it. She just started. She's like 24 with a master's degree. Uh, she teaches at, a, you know, she, she works at a high school, you know, so one very different, you know what she I mean? She's a school counselor? Uh, not, that's not, not the right word for it. I'm, I'm not. School social worker, so, psychologist? Kind of, yeah, more like that she deals with like kids that are having issues and stuff. She's like the school social worker. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but anyway, so it's like, once again, high school kids are just as bad as first graders because they want to rebel. And first graders are just like, they just want to touch everything, you know, and like, you know, put it in their mouth, you know, germs, germs, germs. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's definitely a lot harder at the elementary school level at the college level. Um, the only hard thing you'll deal with is because they are their own person. They are adults. They make up their own mind. If a kid is like, I don't agree with mask or this or that, it's a lot harder to be like, no, you have to. In that case, I have to take everybody out of the class and then call security. If that happens, like, whereas a a six year old, you just be like, no, put it on. You don't have to say you're a kid. And this is the rule where when someone's older, I, I could ask them to do it, and if they don't do it, then I have to get everybody out of there and call security. You know what I mean? Like, it's just different. They, right. It's a lot harder to control a 22-year-old than it is a 6-year-old, in a good way. But percentage-wise... I'm not going to have any issues. You the know. people that are not the you know going to be the anti-maskers that are in your classroom, uh, they'll have their mask on, and they'll probably fidget with it a little bit. But it's not going to be like a bunch of 6-year-olds that it's like... Hey, keep this mask on, and it's like they can't sit still for thirty seconds. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like it's it, the first day of class. I'm definitely gonna first week. I'm definitely gonna have to be very strict. Put it in the syllabus. You have to wear mask. Got to go right over your nose. Don't touch anybody. You're gonna have your spot that you sit at, and you're gonna be a certain distance from people, and that's the spot you're sitting at all year. Um, just a lot. It's gonna be weird, and it's gonna be different. And we're not returning from Thanksgiving break. So normally we do Thanksgiving break. Then we have two weeks and we go Christmas break. So I'm like off from ISU. Not off. I have to do stuff online, but I'll be at home from November. So post Thanksgiving, because you're not the first school that's brought that up. So post Thanksgiving, basically, you're going to kind of wrap up the year online. Yeah. So we normally have a fall break and it's a whole week. It's it's the Monday through Friday of Thanksgiving week. And but I get off work on Thursday. So I have Thursday, like November. I think it's November 19th all the way to, like, January 13th. It's ridiculous. I have, like, a, almost an eight-week... Yeah, November 19th to January 12th. It's, like, seven and a half weeks. It's ridiculous. But two or three of those weeks will be doing stuff online. And the online thing, it's just so challenging to do certain subject matter. It just doesn't work well. Just doesn't No, I, I feel you, especially for sound stuff. Oh, my God. You have to do it in person. To be able to listen <laughs> and talk about it, it's, like... Just imagine trying to, like record music and do and like do production stuff just but like online back and forth it's so you could do it but it takes 10 times as long it's just not as easy but you know what i'm just grateful that we're still doing something and i can go back in and have some normalcy um, hey you got a job 
got a job. <laughs> I'm so glad to be starting back up to that job. So, oh man, it's been, I don't know how I made it the last five months. Five months. I have both of my jobs have been non-existent for five months. It'll be five months in two weeks that I've like done like six sessions in five months, which is like a joke. I would be able to do that in two weeks before. So, but I'm just grateful to be alive, to be able to do a podcast via Skype, have this technology. You know what's wrong with well, that? Well, yeah, I mean, and we'll we'll get together in person. It's just kind of it was just kind of like I was getting back from Ball State last night, yeah. and I was like, totally you know, cool. I haven't heard from Ben. Maybe we're not doing a show tomorrow. And he texted me, and I was like, man, I got like I can do it Skype wise. You know? Oh yeah, it's so, fine. But, but well, way. good news is, um, yeah, I'm going to be finishing up that room, and I think by September it should be not 100. But it would be the point where we could do our stuff cool. there. Yeah, yeah. So. Cool. Took, only took a, a year. <laughs> it's like, hey, dude, you got the best excuses in the world. Civil unrest and a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I didn't, you know, and it's like, you know, you're at the beginning of the show, you're like, oh, how you doing? It's like, you know, it's like every day is different. We're just kind of riding oh, this wave. It's like it's some days I wake up and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like there's going to be a civil war in a couple of months, you know. What side are you going to be on? Uh, you know, seriously. I mean, it's like a lot of people don't like it when I bring that stuff up because they're like, oh, you're crazy. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. Not. We've not even been a country for 250 years. But without going down that rabbit hole, it's like and then you're like, you know, yeah, I mean, I if I really wanted to, I could pick up a couple bar gigs, but I'm too nervous about it. I don't want to be the guinea pig. No, you don't. I, I know of a bar. I'm not going to say the name, but there's a bar not too far from here that a lot of the local people go to. And all of the bartenders had a COVID outbreak. They all had COVID. The bartenders, which you know, yeah. they, which means that spreads I, to everybody else. There, even if it's outside, I just don't want to risk it. I mean, like, I need the money, but it's just like I can't. I just, I just, I, I just can't do it. It's like yeah. you've gone this long, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, granted, maybe we've already had. I don't know. It's just, it, you know. So it's like if I, if I, you know, I just keep picking up side jobs and like other work. It's like I'm just gonna keep doing that and, you know, doing once again riding the wave. But then, you know, and then it's like other days I wake up and I'm like fairly optimistic. It's like I go get a really good workout in at the gym, which I wear gloves at. You know, I wear a mask there when I'm at like no joke. I've not seen more than like five to seven people inside the gym other than me at a time. And it's a pretty big place, um, mostly because of the time I work out. And um, so when I'm on the treadmill, I take my mask off because like heavy breathing. There's nobody 20 feet in either direction of me. Um but it's like I get a good workout in and I come home and it's like, all right, mental health wise, I'm doing all right, you know, and let's see, what can we do today? What can we control? You know, so I always like to bring that up on the show because it's like for the whoever is listening to this, it's like, you know, everybody's got their good and bad days with this whole thing. So, yeah, I, it's affected everybody differently. Whenever people talk about it, like how you explain your situation, it, it has affected everybody differently. Like I had a level at which I was living at saving it and like a future laid out like a lot of stuff big plans for 2020 personally and creatively and professionally and every single one of them just like flew out the window and is nowhere to be found and my whole life is reversed backwards and i but i learned a lot about myself i learned how to be healthier i, I saved more i stretched money out way further than i ever have my whole life um i'm the healthiest i've ever been i started like using skin products to like take care of my skin and going on walks, working out, fasting, eating, but like everything you could never think. Every about. woman, every woman that I know has told me 
Make sure you moisturize your neck because that's the first thing to get wrinkles. Yeah, I've been doing neck and face and <laughs> all this stuff. And just like being more aware, like, oh, wait, if I'm healthy, diseases of any kind, like any disease, any any mental illness, any disease, any physical disease, any emotional problems, all are significantly not as bad if you are in good shape because of how much the symbiotic connection between your body and your mind and emotions. And I've noticed it, and, and I've seen it in people who are healthy. They're, they handle stuff better. They handle life better. They feel better. They can handle they could digest stuff better literally literally mentally they're not in a they're not cloudy because they're not putting burgers in sleeping poorly and living a sedentary lifestyle none of that stuff is what we're meant to do and uh i'm just looking for longevity in life and as much as i miss putting out product and 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 meeting more bands and doing work and working with you and and having in 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 person interviews you know and all that stuff i miss all of it but i can't really uh put a, a dollar sign on like being healthier, being smarter about it, more conscientious about it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's and what, it's crazy. Cause it's like, you know, uh, I mean like last summer we did the show very inconsistently, but we had pre-taped a lot of episodes, but there was actually stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know? Uh, so yeah. it's like doing this. I mean, this is like the first time in a month we've done the show and it's great. You know, it's fantastic. And it's, but it's just so funny that it's like the difference between like 2019 me and you were just like every week. It was just some epic thing coming mm-hmm. out, you know. Oh man, we had oh, a lot man. to talk about. And then like you go back in like January, February of this year. Me and you were like, dude, you thought 2019 was crazy. Wait, 2020. We I know got this coming out and this coming out. We were we were out. both so excited. <laughs> Here we are. I was so excited. <laughs> we were talking about Top Gun and and James Bond and all these big 2020 blockbuster movies and. You know, it just, oh, it all, Wonder Woman and, 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 um, Black Widow and just a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I think they're going to go to VOD. See, they could afford it because they've already made $25 billion off their movies. So, like, they could afford to do a video, a VOD, you know? Because they got, they got Disney Plus. They could just put it on Disney Plus. They have the money, the subscriptions. They could put it on Disney Plus, promote it, and you'll get more subscribers to go see those movies just because it's six bucks, seven bucks. No one thinks about that in America. I don't care how poor you are. Very few people go six dollars a month. I can't afford that. Like anybody can in the, in the way we live in our society, or at least, you know, somebody who can, you can just borrow their subscription. Like everybody can do that. Right. I mean, an HBO max, uh, they've only seen like, I think it was like a 5% uh, growth in their subscriptions after the first month because they don't really have anything to offer, which is, that's its own conversation. Um, But then again, Disney plus, it's like the reason that I keep going back and forth between canceling it is because next month we were supposed to get Falcon and winter soldier. You know, um, I word on the street is they're, they finished shooting the thing. So it it would come out. Why, Why are they not coming out with it? I don't, I don't, my theory is, I don't know if it's got anything to do with Black Widow. Cause you got to remember it's, it's all, it's a uh, moving, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, moving, yeah. there are all these moving parts. I see what you mean. That makes sense. You know, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have Bobby Igg's number I'm in my phone book. So oh, I, I can't, I'll give it to you. But, uh, you know, and then with Wonder Woman, it's like, man, you want to sell HBO max. Now they've shot themselves in the foot. Cause I got a Roku TV. 
can't get HBO. I mean, I, we get HBO because we have cable, you know, but I can't get the HBO Max app because we have Comcast and it's not available on there. And it's also not available for Amazon people or for people with Roku TV. Have all those. So yeah, you get yourself a smart TV. I, it is a smart TV. It's just the it's it's the brand. It's called on. It was a cheap smart TV. Yeah. And Roku makes it. I'm, I'm saying a, you got to get a classic one that you can just put the app on it and all that jazz. Right. Dude, yeah. 4K? Uh, how big is your TV? How big is your TV? It's a 58-inch. That's an arbitrary number. I never heard of a 58-inch. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. All you, I know is like a couple days before Black Friday, it's a money burn, a hole in my pocket. I'm looking through the ads and I'm like, 200 bucks for a 58-inch 4K TV? Now, yeah, it's not as sharp as your 4K TV, but... <laughs> It's better than the 32-inch that I had. Yeah, I was going to say, you can get a really, a really nice brand name 55-inch 4K smart TV for, like, 350 Right, like A really right, nice right. one, like a like a, a Vizio or a Sony. It might not be a 2020 model, probably a 2018, but whatever. Right. Still has either way, stuff. Yeah. Either way, my point is, like, I just... You know, yeah, maybe, maybe they wouldn't take a loss on it. I just, you know, if they can keep kind of doing, like, for these studios to do, like, one movie a month VOD for that $20. Have you seen the uh, Apatow film yet? The King of Staten Island? Yeah. No, I've been waiting. I think Kosh and I are going to watch it, like, a couple weeks. See, that's the other thing, too, is that it's, like, because there is no, like, hype train, it's, like, dude, I, I love Judd Apatow. I didn't see Trainwreck in the theater, but I've seen all his other movies, either opening weekend or like uh, This Is 40. I think I saw like a week after it came out, but like knocked up, you know, and like he didn't direct super bad, but like all the ones that he's like produced or whatever. Yeah. I've seen those all like opening weekend. Pete Davidson, fantastic. I still haven't watched this movie because it's just there's no, it's like I like to get in the car and go to the theater and see the freaking movie. And spend six, seven, eight bucks, not twenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if if my friends, I asked my friends if they wanted to split it, and they just didn't care. So I was like, all right, never mind. Because there's like six, seven people. I was like, oh, it's like two, three dollars a person. That's nothing. I'll do it. But I'm not gonna spend twenty bucks myself just by myself to go watch it. Um, the video on demand thing is, it's. I feel like they would be better off putting them on. Netflix or Amazon where you have someone has to have a subscription and it would boost it a little bit and you know you'd still get your money out of it it would just be different especially on those movies like how much could that movie have cost 35 million 40 million King of Staten Island it's not a big it's a it's a low it's a lower you know drama film let's see right it probably doesn't have it's uh because it's video on demand they probably not have they might not have the uh, budget how much is how much it cost Let's find out. 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. It does not have the budget. It just says box office, 881000 It's not even a million. But it does not have, wow. it doesn't have the budget, though. Yeah, at box office, I wonder if it did play in some theaters, though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, it's just it's so and it's it's wild because it's like even like the podcasts that I listen to that talk about movies and movie news, similar to like what we're doing. It's like there's there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. It's it's all about well, like there's some movies that still might come out. Like I think uh, Monk 
or I think that's how you pronounce it, the new David Fincher film is still going to come out in October, November because they already, they got some movies got so lucky. They wrapped, is that a Netflix film? Yeah, so that's even better. See, that's but, but it yeah. also they wrapped up filming, I believe, in February of 2020. They got so lucky, so they could easily come out with it. Still, it's done filming. Anything else you can do safely, social distancing, all the post production stuff. You don't need to have a lot of people doing that next to each other. So, did I tell you about the theater that's not too far from where I live that's been playing old movies? Yes, you have. I don't want to throw them under the bus. Um. Like I said, they were playing Empire, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go. And then, like, four days later, I went to go look at tickets. Well, they swapped it out with, like, Back to the Future, which I don't – I mean, that's a fine movie. Um, They've played Jurassic Park and, like, Get Out and Black Panther and, like, some – like, Harry Potter and, like, some, like, Inside Out. And, and I'm like, eh, you know. So maybe if there's a movie that's worth it and I can, you know, wear gloves and a mask, if they're still doing it at least – I might go do that just to kind of like take the edge off of not having not gone to a movie in a long, but it's like, dude, I saw in 2020 since 2020, cause I saw uncut gems and all those other movies, like right around Christmas time. Saw 1917, saw birds of prey opening night. And then I told you, I went and drove to that, that one movie theater once saw the Godfather, that special screening. And then like two weeks later was COVID. And it's like, I know. Dude, this is it's wild. I know. It's I like, haven't been I, to movie theater since January. I saw 1917 the first week of January. That's the last time I went right. to theater. It's been seven months. It'll be seven months next. Did you see Bird? Have you rented Birds of Prey? I, I did a video on demand of Birds of Prey, yeah. What'd you think? I thought it had a lot of cool elements, but I thought the plot and the story was kind of eh. But I thought Margot Robbie was good, and I thought the idea, like, I, I don't know, I was very iffy, but I was just like, eh, I thought it was an okay movie. I liked it for what it was, um, because I went in after, you know, once again, I, I actually liked Aquaman more than I would have ever thought I would have, and Shazam was a good movie, it's just kind of like its own, its own thing, and I, I really liked Birds of Prey. Obviously, it was far superior than Suicide Squad, so I guess what, what I'm trying to say is, is like, I'm assuming she's in the James Gunn version of the Suicide Squad and that she's also going to got some stuff in the works, you know, because she's Margot Robbie's got her own production company. So she's producing these movies. Um, I think it had potential to be even greater, but I think the studio was still kind of shaky on you know, going this R rated route, but being different from Deadpool because it's kind of a comedy etc etc and now that you've seen it i think you can understand what i'm trying to say but at the end of the day it's like i think they should have stuck by their r rating and made it a little more violent and now that they've set that precedence of that being radar and the same thing with the new suicide squad movie is it's like all right now if you're gonna do another harley quinn adventure go balls to the wall you know what i'm saying yeah i agree i agree i think they can do a lot with it i think she's a good harley quinn um and I think they should do a lot more with it. But obviously now things are all wacky. W, the WB, you know, Warner Brothers had and has a lot of potential with their stock characters. They have part of their comics and their world. They just need to do the right moving parts. They need to do things, you know, they need to learn from the last 50 years of superhero movies and TV shows and do something well with it. I think Warner Brothers needs to, should, and I think is teaming up with HBO to do a really, really 
in-depth, dark, long, three, four season thing related to Batman in some way, shape or form. And it'll interweave the films. Yeah. You know, we just, they need, got it. A Batman. We just need it. We've learned that it works so well and people love it. We just need to do it right. It really they helps. interweave it with the movies. Right. We could. We could now Every, see a new. You know, I'm doing this wave thing, so it's like you know, and then the second one comes out, and that's how it affects the third season of the show. And 2020s you know. could be a new way of film where they do streaming, nice, mature TV shows that slide in and out of the reality of the movies that are coming out. They're kind of intertwined. Well, like, you know, it came out yesterday that uh, Sci-Fi is going to do a hard R version series of Chucky. And it's like, okay, now how many adventures of Chucky have we seen? Plenty. I still haven't seen the newer one. And it's like, but, you know, you kind of stop and go, okay, you know, maybe that would work. Maybe that's better suited for a television type situation. Might be. You know? Might be. I just, but at the end of the, where I'm, where I'm going with this is some of these are kind of leading questions is, you know, the spectacle films, the, the budgets, right? Those movies, that's the future of the theaters. That's it. Dune. That's it. James Bond. Oh, I know. I know. Independent stuff's going straight to video on demand and Netflix and HBO and, and why Amazon would and Hulu. Fincher, why would David Fincher put a movie in the theater when he's guaranteed money on Netflix, pandemic or not? Yeah. You never have to worry about health or issues or what time of year or how people are feeling. Nothing. It's on the biggest streaming service of all time. Netflix is the biggest one by far. You know, and it's like, yeah. And people know David Fincher and people know uh, Gary Oldman and L- Lily Collins, the people that are in it, and they will sell it too. And it'll be the first right. thing on Netflix and it'll be number one in America out of the 10. They'll, they'll, it'll promote itself within itself, you know? And it'll help movies from just being annihilated at the box office and taking a loss. You know, like, I, I still I still haven't watched it, but I heard Ben Affleck's The Way Back was, you know, a really good movie. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, but I heard the same thing. And it's like... Dude, if that movie would have premiered on like a Netflix thing, oh man, it could everybody would have watched it. Yeah. But it's like it came out right around the same time as Birds of Prey, and it's like for my ten dollars, I'm gonna go see Birds of Prey on the big screen and then watch wait for HBO for the way back. You know what I mean? I do know what I mean. It's that's exactly right. And it's like David Fincher is one of the the better or if not one of the top uh, directors of the last thirty years. I think he is for sure. But his movies are all really well rated, but the bot, he doesn't, because they're rated R and they're not in your face, big, big movies, they don't do that well. They're all like two to 400 million, like all of them, like, right. which in big blockbuster, that's like what their budget and promotion is, is 200 to 400 million. Right. And this guy's just making that. But I mean, like I'm looking at social network, it was four, 40 million to make it made 225 million. Right. Like, that's he made his money. That's good, but it's not. That's not movie theater worthy. Not money. Nolan money. No, it's no, no. Even though quality, quality wise, I I might be. I don't know. They're toe to toe. I mean, you said five directors in the last thirty years, and I know for you it'd be like Wes Anderson would definitely be in there for you. It'd be Nolan, Paul Thomas Anderson, PTA, yeah. uh, Fincher. Who would Fincher. be your fifth? Probably. Probably uh, either Dennis Valerian, what the guy who did twenty forty nine Blade One twenty forty nine. Uh-huh. He's doing Dune, and he d- and Sam Mendes is up there. Sam Mendes has been very impressive the last decade. 
with all the stuff he's done. Interesting. I'm trying to think of who else. I'm talking like big, big stuff. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Those guys have done some heavy stuff. Obviously, I mean, could you count? Could you count the Coen Brothers? Because like yeah. they had a couple movies. Yeah, in the I'd late say that- So for me, it'd be Fin. I mean, like no order, but Fincher, Nolan, Coen Brothers. Um. I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe Jason Reitman. Maybe. Okay. I re- I really liked some of his movies. Uh, I don't know. That's a that's a that'd be an interesting. We should do an episode on that. who. Well, name me some other. Was, okay, I'm Girl just... the Dragon Tattoo, which another Fincher film. Well, Nin- yeah. Ninety million dollar budget, two hundred thirty two in in the box office. So it's like, it's they're always making something, but it's the same thing with Paul Thomas Anderson. His movies barely make money and when they do it's not that much like barely yet he still makes movies still gets the money because the anybody who's investing in him knows he's gonna make a good movie his niche crowd are gonna go see it it'll make its money back and it'll be good art it'll be good art adam mckay curveball he's in my top five directors from the last decade because what he was decade or last i said last 30 or the last the last 30 years i'm sorry last 30 years why I would have put him. I'd take him over Chris, uh, Jason Reitman. Nothing against Jason Reitman. I love Jason Reitman films, um, because uh, Anchorman is just one of the greatest comedies ever, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know whatever. And then it's like you look at that, and then you look at a movie like The Big Short, and it's like, you know what he was able to do. I mean, that's just one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, that is a feat to do. A drastic comedy than a drastic drama, yeah. Right. It's, oh, I guess, honestly, I forgot Martin Scorsese. He's made some really good movies in the last 30 well, years. Well, yeah, but he's been around since the early 70s. So the last count. 30 years, though, he's done, like, still really good movies. Well, um, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's I mean, funny. I'd say James that's Cameron. Like Clint Eastwood. No, Quentin Tarantino. Hey, duh. Hello. Yeah. Hello. I don't know how he missed that one. <laughs> I was listening to the Inglorious Bastards soundtrack yesterday. <laughs> Definitely Quentin Tarantino is probably a number one or two. I only know how I miss that. He's only made movies in the last 30 years. Duh. I would say James Cameron, but he's only made four in the last 30. Years. <laughs> he's only made seven movies ever. But uh, I, uh, James Cameron would have to be. We'd have to do top 10. Yeah, well, I mean, last 30 years, I mean, I think Clint Eastwood's directing game. Now, granted, the last 10 years, he's had some misses. But the last 30 years, uh, Clint Eastwood's directing game has been, it's been better. phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you got Unforgiven, uh, Absolute Power, um, you know, Million Dollar Baby, Mystic River, Gran Torino, mm-hmm. you know, American Sniper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, there's been a lot of good ones. A lot of good. The last 30 years for, for film has been great. Like, it's, sure. it's, it's brought us to where we are now. Um, anything else you want to add before we head out? No, just uh, check yeah, out. We'll do, get, do the Hulu thing. Pay the extra five bucks a month and watch the show, Dave. You will laugh. You will not regret it. It's hilarious. All right. It's I, I love Curb. Curbs. Uh, I was thinking about yesterday. And I'm like, if I had to pick, The Office or Curb Your Enthusiasm is the greatest comedy of all time. I still think I would go with Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'd go with Seinfeld. Yeah, personally. But I'm a I'm a I'm just I'm such a big Curb fan. Seinfeld, Curb, Office, and It's Always Sunny. I could live off those four shows forever, to be honest. They're just too they're too good. Curb, and, The Office, and there's Parks a lot of content. Of, That's the best part. It's always sunny. Well, I, Parks and Rec too. You have so much content. You have five, six, seven, nine seasons. Arrested Development. 
maybe my top what five is it, favorite. Uh, Rust of Elm's good too. That's a great one. Um, it's always Sunny's what fifteen seasons, so sixteen. That's insane. All right, Rob. Well, on that note, I'm glad we're ending on comedy because we need to laugh still. Um, watch some movies, watch some shows. I will do the same, and we'll we'll reconvene soon. Who knows when? Sounds good, brother. We'll uh, we'll pick this up soon. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay alive. Stay healthy. Keep making music. All right. Just keep doing that. Yeah, for sure. You too. I will. All right, Rob. All right. We'll uh, we'll catch you soon. We'll catch you guys soon. And uh, everybody take it easy. Take it easy. Take Bye. it easy, Ben. Bye.